First John chapter 5, we'll finish the book this morning. I'm talking about staying on the right road and avoiding the tempting detours along the way. John closes with his book by telling us some things that we know as believers. And he starts here in verse 18. John says, We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's pray as we dive into God's text this morning. Father, we admit that as we walk down the road of life, we are often tempted to take side trips, to be sidetracked. Sometimes we're blindsided by things that take us down along the way. I pray for anyone in this room who's feeling that way even now. They've been in a season where they've just been hit hard by things and they feel like they've been left for Ted in a ditch alongside the road that you put them on. I pray that you would meet us this morning. I pray that you would show us how to be restored when we do find ourselves in places of darkness or sin or hurt. And you would equip us to walk strongly and confidently down this road you've placed us on, trusting that you will finish the work that you started in us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I watched the sketch this morning, it made me want to go camping. I feel like there's two types of people in this world. There's camping people and not camping people. And it sounds to me through the laughter that maybe this 11 o'clock service are the not camping people. And yet I, I love to go outside. My wife and I love to take the kids out on hikes, even when they're really young. We brought some pictures here. These are our kids. Um, even Jackson at like one years old, we like strap him into the stroller and you go take off around Lake Chabot. And we kind of from a really young age started getting our kids out there on the trail to, to start exploring. Now, up, up top, you see three of our boys who kind of jetted out ahead on the road. You see Harper at the bottom who's kind of starting to wander away from us and go down the pathway. And these are not pictures of our kids getting lost in the woods. These are pictures of, of moments that we were excited about. Moments where our kids leave the comfort of their stroller, leave the baby Bjorn, right? And they start to venture out confidently down the path on their own. And it's beautiful for Jessica and I because the older they get, the more they can just walk and we can have adult conversation as we walk away from them. Not like away from them, like apart from them. And yet as they start walking in the confidence down these pathways, one thing that we noticed is that Confidence sometimes gets paired with risk. And sometimes walking confidently can get you into trouble, right? So here are some other pictures. These are just the pictures that I found on my phone. The top one is Carter, who decided to jump off the pathway and instead blaze his own trail up the river, right? So in this photo, his socks are already wet. 
He has not yet started complaining about that. And he's just blazing a trail up the river. And we're yelling like, Carter, don't slip. Be careful. Right? It's like, I got this. The second picture is, this song terrifies me right now. I don't know why I took a picture instead of rescuing him. <laughs> this is Hudson standing on a tree branch over a cliff, making fun of the look on our faces, probably. And then this bottom one, this is my favorite picture of all time. This is a, so that's Carter in a little orange shirt. He was probably like four years old or something, five years old. And then this is just a cliff, right? And so there's this single track that goes to the Oakland Hills and Carter just books out ahead of us. And when I came around this corner, I saw Carter and his bright orange shirt hanging off the side of the cliff. And just gonna like, Carter! And he said, I'm okay. And he started climbing back up the cliff onto the path. And then I like sighed, took out my phone and took that picture. <laughs> in this book, we've seen John start out with these people who are a little, have some trepidation around the faith, right? They're not sure if they're believers or not. They've gotten a lot of voices coming at them, telling them this way or that way, or that they're not good enough, or that their faith is wrong. They're shaken up. They're, they lack confidence in following Jesus. And by the end of the book, John has moved from a place where he's saying, hey, some of you guys claim to be Christians, to the statements we read this morning where he says, okay, here's what we know is true. It's kind of like he's rehabbed them or he's gotten them strengthened in their walk and put them on the path and said, okay, you guys, you're ready to walk strongly now. Go, go into the woods. And yet the last statement in the book is a little bit scary. Because in the last thing that John says is he kind of pushes them out the door and onto the path down towards the lake is dear children... Keep yourselves from idols. I just kept picturing, like, Jessica and I telling our kids to go on a hike alone, right? And the sun's going down. And we say, have a good time. And by the way, watch out for all the bears. And watch out for rattlesnakes. Watch out for that creepy person who lives in the woods, right? Keep yourself from idols. See ya. Like John was going so strong, right? We know we're in the faith. We know Jesus will protect us. We know what is true. We have him. We have eternal life. But watch out for bears. And the truth is that as we walk down the road that leads to life, there are things that come after us. There are people who try to shipwreck our faith. There are circumstances that, that draw us in. There are shiny things that lead us down cliffs, right? And we all, as we start walking, no matter how confident we are, we all, we all enter into seasons where we are tempted to fall off the path and, and go to Denny's, right? Go to the water park. Go down the unmarked trail that leads to our demise. And so John ends this book by equipping these people, not just to walk strongly, but, but to walk strongly with open eyes, knowing that there are predators out there who might try to drag you away from the work that Christ is doing in you. I told you last week that when I was a high school kid, I became a Christian. I started coming to church, and I thought Christians were weird. If you missed it, you can listen to that online. What I didn't tell you is that during that season of my life, I had a couple of people in my life who were very instrumental in helping me understand what Christians were all about. Uh, there was a guy that was in my life. We were in Boy Scouts together, and so we'd go camping, and, and we'd backpack up these mountains, and he'd pull out this giant Bible from his backpack. And I look at him like, that is very heavy, man. Like, why are you bringing this Bible on a backpacking trip? He's like, this is the word of life. 
you got to read this. I'm like, all right, whatever, right? He's like, I'm going to teach you how to read the Bible, right? I'm like, all right. So when you're trapped in a tent with someone, you're kind of at their whim, right? And so he'd wake me up at like five in the morning. He's like, it's time to read the word. And he'd read the Bible to me and he'd teach me how to read it myself. And he'd teach me how to pray and have quiet times, those kinds of things. And and at first, I wasn't really into it, but as I started walking through that, I started becoming appreciative of someone who came alongside me and equipped me how to walk with Jesus. There was a girl in my life, not like there was a girl in my life, but there was a girl that I was friends with in my life during that season as well, who, who was very passionate about me going to youth group. She was like, you got to go to youth group. You got to go to youth group. And, and in the midst of my junior year of high school, something happened that almost took me off the path altogether. And it was a TV show called Dawson's Creek. <laughs> 90s kids, you get it. Dawson's Creek moved to Wednesday nights, which was youth group night. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. I got to see if Pacey and Joey make it to the end. I'm out. And, and she's like, listen, she had this new technology. So she said, I got a VCR. I'm going to program it. We'll talk about that one next week, too. I got a VCR. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record Dawson's Creek, go to Omega, I'll go with you. Afterwards, come to my house, we'll watch Dawson's Creek, and we'll talk about Omega. I'm like, all right, cool, I'm in, I'm in, right? So these people came alongside me and, and kind of helped me and equipped me and got me going to church. And, and I didn't really get it when I was in high school. Like, I didn't really understand Christianity. I felt like I was joining a club, a youth group, that kind of thing. But in college, I've told you before that, that Jesus grabbed a hold of my life and he opened my eyes to see what was true about the gospel, and it changed everything. And I was so excited to go to these friends and tell them what had happened. And, and so I went on a road trip with some other friends. We were going down to visit. My buddy's sister was at UC San Diego, and one of the girls was there too. And then or the guy was there, and the girl was over at UC Santa Barbara. And I'm like, I'm going to go down. I'm going to visit this friend, and then I'm going to go find those old friends from high school, and I'm going to tell them that I'm a Christian now, and we're going to have a party, right? So I go across campus, and I find this guy who's living in the dorm, and the girl from Santa Barbara, she was there too. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad I got you both. I need to tell you, like, I finally get it. Thanks for your work. I'm a Christian now. And they looked at me like they felt sorry for me. <laughs> and I said, hey, you got to know, we're not really into that anymore. I'm like, what? It's like, you know, we went to college. We got busy. We found each other. Right? Like school all the time. Like, I'm in Santa Barbara with her on the weekends. He comes over over here or she comes over here and stays with me during the week we sleep in on Sundays we don't do a lot of church stuff like we've kind of fallen out of that whole thing right and this is the first time I'd ever experienced someone who used to be a Christian and now they're not anymore and I remember walking away from that conversation and going back to my, my friend's place and saying what happened there like can you unbecome a Christian right? like the it was this like faith-shaking moment for me because they were way better Christians than me and now they're gone. And I start wondering, is that me someday? Like, am I going to fall away? Is something going to trap me? I'm going to meet someone? They're going to draw me away? What? And so, some of you have, have met people like that too, right? Some of you have people in your life that you looked up to. Church leaders, pastors, denominational leaders, small group leaders, family members, right? Who they were, they were your example as like the best Christian ever. And now they don't want anything to do with Jesus anymore. It kind of hit us. If they're not safe, what does that say about me? Last week we talked a little bit about that passage where, where John 
tells us that part of our job is to bring people back into the fold. Where he says in, in chapter 5, verse 16, If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. But then he says right after that, we didn't talk about this last week. He says right after that, there is a sin that leads to death. And he uses this word for death throughout the passage. It's not just talking about like you sin and then you die. He's talking about eternal death, about hell, about separation from God, about damnation. He says, don't pray about that. It's too late at that point. He says, there are people in your church that, that call themselves brothers and sisters that you might refer to as brother, sister, right? We're all one happy family. But deep inside, they're not one of us. And someday they're going to go down this pathway. They're going to take a detour. They're going to fall off the road. And they're going to find themselves in a series of circumstances that result in their faith being shipwrecked forever. That happens. Right? And if you've had people in your life where that's happened, you know that that happens, right? And, and we pray that maybe this is just a season and they're going to come back and that they're just in the darkness for a while. And we hope and we pray, but sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes people fall away. They fall off the path and they just fall and fall and fall and they fall right into hell. So we look at people like that and we think, how do I ensure that the faith that I have Israel. How do I make sure that I'm not one of those statistics? How do I know that the faith that Christ has given me is a faith that will endure until the end and I'm not one of those people who's going to fall off the cliff? And from the very beginning of the book, John has talked about the fact that there are two types of people in the church. That there are people who claim to be Christians and there are people who are Christians. And even in chapter 1, he kind of starts to draw out the difference between those two different types of people. This is chapter 1, verse 6. He says, if we claim, right, these claimers, if we claim to have fellowship with Jesus and yet walk in the darkness, John says, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He says, first of all, there are people who claim they know Jesus, but they're in the dark. They don't understand the gospel. They don't know who Jesus really is, right? They talk the talk. They walk the walk in a sense. They know the Christian language. They wear the t-shirts, right? But their eyes, their minds are darkened to spiritual things. This is a truth, right? He says, but if you are illuminated, right? If you can see the truth, if you understand the gospel, if it's been planted in you and taken root and you've been transformed, you have fellowship with God. You have fellowship in this church, right? There are two types of people in every church. People who claim to be Christians but are not. And people who claim to be Christians because they are. And John says it, that's the truth. That happens. Now, the second thing he says right at the up, upstart of the book here in chapter 1, verse 8. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He said those people who, who minds are darkened, they, they call themselves Christians, but they aren't. Those are people that when they fall into sin, they're in denial about it. Those are people that when they walk off the path, they say, you know what, I'm fine. I'm fine. Those are people that when they've got issues in their lives and you try to bring them up, they push you away. He says those people claim to be without sin. They're lying. The truth is not in them. John says, but, but real Christians, they sin, and then they confess their sin. 
And when they confess their sin, God is faithful and just to forgive them of their sin and purify them from all unrighteousness. Ironically, the person who taught me this verse was the, the guy who ended up walking away from, from church after high school. He said, 1 John 1, 9, it's 9 backwards. Call it out when you're in sin and Christ will come and rescue you. He's faithful, he's just. There's a chance this morning that you're in sin. That you're in a place where you've fallen off the path, you've taken a detour, you're, you're shipwrecking your faith, you feel, and you don't know what to do, right? You're stuck in this pit, you've got a flat tire and there's no one in sight, right? John says, if you're a real Christian, call out to Jesus and he'll rescue you. If you're not a real Christian, you're going to pretend like you're fine. Right? If you're a real Christian, call out to Jesus and he will rescue you. Right? This is probably the reason you're here. Because every time you come to church, Jesus taps on your shoulder and says, Are you ready now? Are you ready to stop now? Are you ready to leave her now? Are you ready to get out of that now? Are you ready to put down the bottle now? Are you ready now? Are you ready now? And you're like, ah, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. But you keep coming back and he keeps tapping on your shoulder. Are you ready now? It's like an ambulance that's just following you around. Right? You're like, I'm fine, I'm fine. John says when Christians are ready and they call out, Jesus jumps into action, rescues you, and puts you back into fellowship with God and the people around you. And it's beautiful and it's hard and it restores you, but it's, it's good. That's what Christians do. So if you're wondering, am I one of those people where I'm going to fall and never get up again? The, the big question is when you fall, what do you do? Do you call out for help or do you pretend like you're fine? Right? Do you know any of those people who, like, they break their leg and they're like, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. Right? <laughs> I'll do that. I'm fine. I'm fine. She says, don't deceive yourself. If you're a Christian, you will not continue in your sin. Real Christians repent. They confess. They get drawn back out. And Jesus starts knitting them back together into relationship with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit, with the community of faith. They get restored, and it's beautiful, and it's hard. Some of you have done that, right? You messed up royally, right? But you're being restored, and it's beautiful, and it's proof that what is in you is real. And one of the questions that comes up a lot when we study passages like this is, is it possible for a person to lose their salvation? Like, you get saved, you pray. Is that what happened to my friends, right? They were Christians, and now they're not. Like, Jesus watched him, and he's like, ah, never mind, right? We, we know, right? We read the Bible. We talk theology. We know that Christians can't lose their salvation. Jude says that Christians are kept in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself says that my sheep know my voice, right? That, that they're in my hand. No one can take them out. Even the devil can't snatch you out of the Father's hand, that kind of thing. You are in if you're in, and you'll never get out, right? It's kind of scary, but if you're a Christian, it's safe, right? If you're in. You're kept. But at the same time, we see these people who are part of us, and they disappear, and we wonder, well, what happened to them? John puts it this way. This is chapter 2 of this book, of 1 John, in verse 19. He talks about the people who came in for a while and then disappeared. And he says, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. In a sense, he said, there's people who walked away and never came back. It showed us that they weren't actually part of us to begin with. 
It's kind of hard to, to believe that there are going to be people in the church that aren't really Christians. They just think they are or talk like they are. And Jesus himself, when he's talking about the end times and how hard it becomes to be a follower of Jesus, he says in Matthew 24, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. It makes me think, okay, I want to be one of those people who stand firm to the end. Right? It almost makes it seem like it's this big test, right? Like Jesus starts out on the starting line and there's this giant race in front of us. There's all these obstacles and gauntlets and all this kind of stuff. And he pulls the starting pistol and he says, most of you will die. <laughs> but whoever goes through the finish line gets to go to heaven with me. We're like, I got this, I got this, right? And if you've been a Christian for a while or you've learned a little bit about Christianity, you know that it's like, okay, that's not how that works. At the same time, you start to wonder, do I have in me what it takes to last till the end? Like, do I know enough to, to persevere, right? Am I faithful enough or faith-filled enough to, to persevere? Do I really know Jesus? Am I deceiving myself? Do I have finishing the race in me? Or am I going to be one of those statistics? I love where John goes in this passage when he, when he talks about this because he reminds us that finishing the race has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. And this is chapter 5, verse 18. He says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. That doesn't mean you stop sinning when you become a Christian. What it means is that if you find yourself in sin as a Christian, if you're a Christian, it's not going to continue. It's going to come to an end at some point. Anyone born of God does not continue to sin because the one who was born of God keeps him safe. And the evil one cannot harm them. Right? When you find yourself sidetracked, when you find yourself in a pit on the side of the road, and you're deciding, oh no, am I going to call on Jesus or not? Right? Am I going to ask him for help or not? Am I going to ask him to rescue me or not? Right? John says, if you're really a believer, you will, right? At some point in your life, you will. And even if you die before that point comes, he'll snatch you up before the last day and save you. You will be saved from your sin because of Jesus, not because of you. But at the same time, what he's saying is that the reason that the enemy's not going to come in and eat you while you're stuck in the pit with a broken leg is because while you're hemming and hawing and trying to decide whether or not you're going to come back to Jesus or not, Jesus himself is protecting you from the enemy that's trying to devour you. Right, that he is for you in every way. It's not like you're off on the side of the road and Jesus is like, I'm just waiting for him to call, right? Jesus is guarding you, protecting you, shooting the wolves coming at you, keeping you safe until the moment you call on him. And even if you die in the pit, he'll pick up your body and take you to heaven, right? Because of him, him, not because of you. So the question that I want to ask as we close this series it really comes back to the question we asked as we started this series. Are you a real Christian? As, as the Spirit of God opened your eyes to understand the gospel, like we read last week, has the Spirit sealed in your heart the truth about the identity of Jesus Christ that the Father himself revealed at his baptism that was proved and made effective at his crucifixion, his resurrection? Is it real to you? Have you seen it? Have you trusted in it? Do you believe in the real Jesus? Are you walking in the light? Is the gospel taking root and growing in your life and giving you an affection for God? Are you desiring to live like Jesus lived? Are you looking out into the world and growing in this desire to love like Jesus loved? Are, 
is what is in you, is it real and is it alive and is it growing? Right? John says, if those things are true, then he says, I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. You're safe. Now go and live in freedom for Jesus. He's got your back. If it's not true, you call on him. He'll rescue you. He'll whisk you up and he'll clean you off and he'll restore you and protect you until the end of time. As we close this book, I want to give you the three things that John gives us in verses 18, 19, and 20. One of them we already read that talks about anyone born of God does not continue to sin. If you write things down, you can write this down. As you leave this series, trust that Jesus will rescue you from any sin you ever find yourself caught up in. I remember back in the 80s, they had those commercials with that little lifeline button that you can call. And it was that lady who's like, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Remember that? In a sense, that's 1 John 1, 9, right? That, that's what John is trying to say, that if you're in sin, if you're in trouble, if you're on the side of the road, right? The moment you call out, he's there, right? And we've talked about this. Even before you call out, he's there. But the moment you call out, he will clean you off and restore you. You need to trust that Jesus will protect you from anything that you find yourself caught up in. That also means that if you're a Christian, the season of sin that you're in right now, it's not going to last forever. You can keep doing more research. You can keep messing up some more. You can keep living this lie. You can try to keep fixing things. It's only going to make it worse, right? The only thing that's going to make it better is when you finally put up the white flag, right? And the extraction team comes in and pulls you out of it. That's the only thing that's going to work. And it's going to be hard, yes. And restoration is difficult, yes. And it's painful, yes. But it's way better than living in this pit for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. The one who's born of God does not continue to sin. Trust that Jesus can get you out of any mess that you get yourself into. Second, relish your unique identity as a child of God. So we talked about last week a little bit that Christians are weird. John says it in, in verse 19 this way. He says, we know that we are children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Everyone in this world besides you, right? Not just you as an individual. You as a Christian, right? Don't become paranoid. Everyone in the whole world besides Christians, John says, they're all living the same way for the world, from the systems of the world, for nothing, from nothing. They're living in this drone-type mentality. They're just walking through life like zombies. He says, but not you. Jesus says, open your eyes to things that no one else can see, and it's beautiful. Live in those things. Relish your unique identity as a child, as a son or daughter of the most high God. Relish that. That's amazing. Live in that. Find beauty in that. Trust in that. Relish that identity. And finally, in verse 20, know that all of this is true only because Jesus himself has given you the gift of understanding. If you believe these things, if you know these things, if your mind, if your heart is alive to these things, it has nothing to do with you. It's only because Jesus has opened your eyes. Verse 20 says, We know also that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And if you know Jesus today, it's because Jesus has caused you to know Jesus today. And don't take pride in that. 
Don't pretend like you're smarter or better than anyone else, right? We don't know how that all works, but at some point in time, Jesus opened your eyes to the truth about who he is. The Spirit indwelled in you and started changing you from the inside out. You became a child of God. You became a new creation. You started living. Your affections started changing. Your worldview started changing. You started growing. Your mission changed. Your identity changed. Everything about your life changed in that moment. And it had nothing to do with you. Everything to do with him. John says, you need to understand these things as you walk out onto this path that leads to life. Now go in confidence and walk and live for Jesus. Look out for idols. Look out for shiny things and signs and false detours along the way. Stick on the path, but you got this because Jesus has you and he will not let you fail. He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray together as we finish this book together.